You're listening to The Angry Black Man with a Plan in Search of Intelligent Negro Life in the Universe. Conscious commentary concerning the conditions of Negroes the world over. Welcome to this edition of The Angry Black Man with a Plan in Search of Intelligent Negro Life in the Universe. I'd like to welcome you to the show. Uh, uh, if you happen to be a Brooklyn native, and been in Brooklyn for a while, you may have heard of me, the angry black man with a plan in search of intelligent Negro life in the universe. I uh, did a show that was uh, aired on um, a local radio station here. Uh, if you happen to live in one of the outer boroughs like Manhattan, Queens, uh, Staten Island, or the Bronx, you may have picked up that signal, and so you may have heard of me for all that we've gone through. But, um, yeah, but so if you look at the past 60 years, black folks have not um, their condition hasn't improved much relative to white folks. And since the, the, the struggle was for equality, right, then, then that's how we need to measure our improvement, you know. Um, we can't say that because we have a few black billionaires now that we're better off. We can't say that because we have a few more millionaires we're better off, right. Um, and and so, so that's, that pisses me off. That makes me mad. And as I was saying... <coughs> Pardon me. As I was saying, you know, I believe in repa- uh, reparations, right? I believe black folks should be paid something. Um, uh, I believe in reparations. I believe in affirmative action programs. I believe in other kinds of programs that are intended to help black folk deal with um, their situation. And I don't care how you slice it or dice it. Right? I don't think there's an argument, a legitimate argument out there to be made to say that black folks don't deserve it because they were never really compensated for, um, for the injustice um, they suffered through their enslavement, all right? All right, but, but be that, you know, having said that, having said that, having said that, right, because a lot of people, when you, when you look around and people say, oh, well, we need this government program, we need that government program, we need the government to do that. I talked to an economist, right? And I was asking him, uh, was it his opinion? I was asking him to agree with my opinion that one of the problems or issues um, facing black folk, all right, was or one of one of the reasons, one of one of the ways we could build our wealth is through business development and, and entrepreneurship, um, economic development. And he's kind of like, no, no, that's not what we need to do. What we need is to create a program um, called Baby Bonds, where for each child born, the government buys a bond, and that bond, you know, is 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 left to to mature over that child's lifetime, right? And you know, at some point in that child's life, they can get the proceeds of that bond, and it would give them some level of money, you know, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what the amount would be, but it would be some, it would create a pot of, of, of a base of wealth for them once the bond matures and, and they they sell it or whatever, they'd have a, a pot of money um, that, you know, would, would be above, create a, a base of wealth for them to move on with the world. And and I'm like, hmm, yeah, that, that could work, you know, that, that could work, but, uh, in this day and age, do you think you can get 
the U.S. government to agree to create these baby bonds, right? Um, so, so to me, the, the, the concept of a baby bond is a non-starter, all right? Um, but, but it kind of like caught me off guard because this was an economist, and his, his solution to the issues of black uh, poverty is ba- baby bonds, right? And, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, no, you know, the, the problem with, the, with black folks is, is economic development. But anyway, anyway, so, so um, while I believe black folks are do all kinds of stuff, um, the bottom line is that we know that um, the gov- we're not going to get it, right? And, you know, that's not to say we shouldn't continue to fight for it, right? We should. Um, but the reality is that we probably will not get it, all right? Now, what we need to do, right, in my opinion, all right, so so, so we're not going to get it, right? But now here's the thing, though, right? Here's the thing, because a lot of people say, well, because we're not getting this and we're not getting that, you know, that explains why we can't um, improve our lot. That explains why we can't move forward, right? <clears throat> and And... You know, I take exception to that because I, I I don't agree with that, right? We just said we have a bunch of black billion, not a bunch, but we have a few black billionaires, and we have quite a few black millionaires, right? And so my thing is, what makes me angry is not only that the the, the fact that we are no better off today than we were 60 years ago, but the fact that black folk collectively haven't been able to figure out a way to come together and address their issues and their problems, right? And 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 so. Um, Because I believe, I believe if black folks were to do that, they could address some of the issues they face um, and they could they could narrow the gap between themselves and white folks, you know, using these measures of economic uh, well-being. Right. So part of what I'm saying is uh, if more black folks, uh, if black folks control the economies of their local neighborhoods, Right. If black folks developed vertical business structures um, that through that process, they could help create jobs for members of their community. Um, They in creating jobs, they create the income um, and (coughs) pardon me, through that whole process, they could uh, develop economic uh, structures that will provide them the income uh, that they could use to build their economy, right? Now, um, you know, I, I'm not sure why people don't see this, right? I'm not sure, you know, what it is, right? So it, so, so it's crazy. I mean, you, you look at it, right? Now, I, I happen to live in Brooklyn, right? And Brooklyn is the hot spot, one of the hot spots in New York. I guess of all the boroughs, Brooklyn seems to be the hottest, though— um, the development that's happening in Brooklyn is also happening in parts of the Bronx and in Queens or whatever, but Brooklyn just seems to be a hot spot because it's so so crazy. I mean, to me, I look around, it looks like they moved Manhattan to Brooklyn um, with all the high-rises now. It's, it's just crazy, and they're putting them up all over the place, right? I saw, I saw like a, a maybe 12, I don't know if it was 12, but, but at least a 10-story apartment building erected between two row houses that are two stories. Um, it, it looks out of place, and it, it makes you wonder. I mean, if you happen to own either of those 
townhouses or buildings on either side of this like 10 story building, like, is your property value going to go up or go down? I think it's going to go down because who's going to want to buy a property that is next to a 10 story building? You, you get no morning sun or no afternoon sun, depending on what side of the building you're on. All right. Um, and then on that block, you know, who who wants to come onto a block that has this monstrosity sitting between these two buildings? I mean, and, and the building could look nice. They're not finished with it. it. It might really look nice, but it will be so out of place. It's 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 ridiculous. So, so, so this development, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy now. It's it's gentrification. Right. And, and I'm not you know, it's gentrification, bottom line. Um, it's, you know, white folks moving in, black folks moving out, higher income people moving in, lower income people moving out. Um, so it's, it's income gentrification and a racial gentrification because as you move up, like, I mean, you know, property values now in these, a lot of neighborhoods in Brooklyn, I mean, houses are going for over a million dollars and a lot of, you know, most black folk can't afford that. All right. Um, a lot of white folks can't afford it, but you know more the people who can afford it will be will be white folks. So you see this happening in this community, right? And and the question becomes, right? I mean, it's it's you can't probably stop this kind of thing from happening, right? Or, or you could you could stop it if you owned it, right? Um, and interestingly enough, in a lot of these neighborhoods. Black folks did own a significant, meaningful share of the property, but they're cashing out. They're opting out, right? They're cashing out, and that was their their uh, wealth creation device, that, that property, right? And when it realized its value, they decided to sell out. And so um, it, it, it creates an interesting dynamic. Right. It really creates an interesting dynamic because you look at it and you you got to ask yourself, hmm, what you know, the, the, the idea is like, how do we create a, a situation where black folk can improve their economic lot by pursuing the best practice that other ethnic groups have? Right. So so, you know, New York has a tremendous broad diversity. And so if you go into if you go into um, certain ethnic enclaves in New York, um, you'll see. Actually, that's, that would make a good study. Maybe I'll, I'll look at that. But um, you'll see that they. All right. So so you go into a black neighborhood. Right. And I, I was talking to a friend the other day about this. And, and it's like, OK, because we were having this debate about, you know, black folks and, you know, nobody wants to admit that black folk got problems, but we we do, right? So you go into a black neighborhood, right? And you, you go along the commercial district um, or the commercial strip in the neighborhood, right? Where you'd find your grocery store. They don't have really, they don't really have grocery stores in New York. They have bodegas, which is, you know, a cross between a smoke shop, a head shop, and a grocery store, uh, kind of like all mixed into one. But but anyway, so you, so the commercial strip would be where you find bodegas, the cleaners, the laundromat, um, and you know some of the other local businesses that serve the the needs of of the local residents. But you go into that, and you see that um, um, the owners of those 
businesses, most of the time, 90% of the time or more, don't look like the people who live in that, in that community. Whereas if you go into some of these other ethnic communities and you go to their commercial strips, right, you go into the, the stores or whatever, and you see that the owners of those businesses do look like the residents of that community, right? And, and, and this, you see this consistently, right? You see this consistently, right? Now, some people might argue, well, that's anecdotal. I'm just looking at what I see in New York. And, you know, I don't know. It might be anecdotal, right? But um, I've, vis- I've traveled quite a bit, and I could say that you see this in quite a few neighborhoods throughout most major cities. So I would say that while it's anecdotal, it's probably also representative of what you'd find, right, in most black neighborhoods. And that is that they don't control the residents of that neighborhood or members of that neighborhood, that community don't control the local economy. And so what you find, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this recently, so I'm sure I'm not telling you anything new, but what you find is that, you know, that the wealth that's created by the people in the community spending money, right, quickly leaves. Now, so a lot of people say, well, you know, that's those, those are, a lot of those neighborhoods are low-income neighborhoods anyway, right? But the reality is that, you know, low-income people spend money, right? I mean, they still have to buy milk and some of the other things. Now, they may not make a lot of money or they're... Income might come through government transfer payments like SNAP or welfare or whatever, right? But that is money that's spent, and that spent money creates wealth and generates wealth, right? But for whatever reason, black folk don't seem to capture it because we don't seem to own those local businesses. Whereas if you go to most other uh, ethnic communities, um, you'll find that the residents of that community own the, com- the businesses that serve it. And so that kind of like keeps the wealth in the community. Now, the other thing it does, right, beyond, beyond keeping the wealth in the community, the other thing it does is like, you know, so, so you know, you go into a Chinese restaurant and they have Chinese workers. You go into an Arab bodega and they have Arab workers, right? Now, can you fault them for that? No, you can't. Why should they give you a job when their nephew needs a job, right? I mean, that makes basic sense to me, right? Um, And so beyond serving the community, the economic needs of the community, you know, businesses owned by local residents also provides employment opportunities, right? And so, I mean, you kind of like think about this and, and you ask yourself, well, you know, to what extent is the problem black folks have that I that, that's killing me, that's making me so pissed off and mad, which is that we're not making any kind of progress, or we haven't made any kind of progress relative to white folks. The gaps, we haven't been able to, 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 to narrow the gaps in, in income and wealth and other measures of economic well-being, unemployment. Right. Could it be partly because we don't control our local economies, right? Now, I would argue that probably does contribute to it, right? Now, now there is a problem, right, 
there's a problem, and I'm not sure what it stems from, right? Um, a lot of people will argue that, um, you know, and, and you look, a lot of people are doing a lot of great things, right? And what, what, what bothers me and what pisses me off is that, yeah, people are doing a lot of great things, right? And, and it's good. Um, a lot of our folk do provide charity to the communities they come from. You know, a lot of athletes, you know, one of the first things they do is create a foundation, right? And through that foundation, they provide charitable services to communities they come from or communities similar to the communities they come from. And that's all good, right? But what's charity, right? What What's charity? You know, it, it, it gets back to that whole thing about, you know, feeding somebody, you know. You know, give a man a fish sandwich, you feed him for a day, but if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? Um, charity is that fish sandwich, you know. Um, investment would be teaching somebody how to fish. And one of the problems I have is that a lot of the black folks who have made it, you know, a lot of the athletes, right, um, they they don't invest. You don't see where they have come back and invest in those neighborhoods, right, or, or, or do things that would lead to investment in those neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? And and so and so while they provide charity charity, right, that's giving people fish sandwiches and you know, probably some people need fish sandwiches, right? They don't follow up with the investment which would be teaching folks how to how to how to um feed themselves over a long period of time, right? And so I'm I'm also beginning to wonder, okay, to what extent does the lack of investment we make in our communities might factor into that, right? So, you know, there's a whole lot. And we'll be talking about this over the life of these podcasts because what I want to do, what what I'd like to do as the angry black man with a plan is is find some intelligent Negro life in the universe, right, and and let us start focusing on some of the issues. Now, you know, I I might not, I might be totally off base, right? But I welcome someone to, to, to say, hey, man, you're off base, right? You're off base. You need to look at this, right? Um, because beyond our not controlling the, the economies in our neighborhoods or beyond our not investing in, in our communities, you know, one of the other problems I think we have is that we can't, we can't, we, we can't move forward coming from opposing viewpoints. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like you, 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 look at, you, you look at where black folks are now in terms of the, the political ideas that are out there, the, 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 the ideas, right? If you ask me, if you ask me, we are still having the same debate that Booker T. Washington and W. B. Du Bois had back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. It's it's been that thing about okay, 
you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, let's not worry about recognition or whatever. Let's just build up our skill base versus, no, let's demand integration. Let's demand, you know, equal rights and equal treatment, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll admit in high school and college when I first started coming across these ideas of Booker T and Du Bois, right, I sided with Du Bois. You know, I I used to think Booker T was Uncle Tom and, you know, the whole idea that, oh, yeah, you just go learn some skills and, you know, uh, build up your skill base and don't worry about equality or whatever, right? Um, just just go out there and, and, and work and do the work and get those skills. You know, hey, I, what are you, you crazy? You know, I mean, that's a very screwed up position, right? Um, because we demand or we deserve equality. We deserve uh, equal rights and equal treatment, right? <clears throat> and and so, you know, Booker T's position, you know, was deemed uh, that of an Uncle Tom. But you know what? Today, today, I would say I, I vote for the, for the WB. I mean, I, I vote for the Booker T position. Like, let's learn some skills and, you know, let's learn some. And, and you know, I'll tell you why, right? I tell you why, because the fact of the matter is that we don't have any skills, right? When you look around, we don't really have any skills, right? Um, I live in the section of Brooklyn, and every springtime, there's a guy that comes along, and he look, you know, knocks on people's doors, and he, you know, he'll point out things that might happen. Oh, your steps need to be pointed. As a matter of fact, you might need to replace them. Or, hey, you know, um, the side of your building has this or the other, right? And you know, he comes along and he points this out to people, and he ends up getting some jobs from people to to make these kinds of repairs, right? Um, and uh, he happens to be Bangladeshi, right? And um, it's interesting because. There's so few black folk with those kinds of skills. I mean, you know, I just don't know many black masons, you know, mason, you know, people that do masonry work, you know, brickwork, right? Um, you know, I don't really know that many black folks that do carpentry work, you know. Um, I don't really know that many black folks that do plumbing. I know some, but, you know, not as many as you would expect, you know, given neighborhood. I mean, the one thing that's really nice about Brooklyn and New York generally is that there's a high concentration of people in relatively small land masses or land areas. And so you have tremendous markets. You know, I mean, it's, it's a great market. You know, I mean, a neighborhood, you know, I hear people talk about, oh, yeah, you know, um, there's a city of 25,000 people. And that's like, wow, that's less than the number of people in my neighborhood. So if this city of 25,000 can support an economy, wow, I know my neighborhood should be able to do that. But anyway, um, so, so it's like th there are a lot of skill sets that, that we've lost over time because quiet as it's kept, you know, back in the late, you know, mid to late 1800s, black folks had a lot of those skills, carpentry, plumbing, uh, masonry work, um, all, all that stuff. Black folks did, had, had it big time, right? Um, but, but now, you know, we've, we've kind of lost that, Right. <clears throat> Pardon me, and and so, so it's like you, you look at it, and it's like the the bar 
point of view kind of like one out. It's like, yeah, let's 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 go after integration, let's go after equal rights and all this other stuff. And if you look at people, right? If you if you you ask, you know, if you you think about it, a lot of people say, yeah, we did that and we got that, right? We got equal rights, you know. Um, People can't, well, <laughs> we don't know yet, but, you know, people can't discriminate against us based on, you know, the color of our skin anymore. So we can, you know, the, the, the hotel can't tell us to go through the back door or deny a service. You know, um, colleges can't deny us admissions. Right. Uh, you know, so, so you know, we got all that stuff. Right. Um, you know, communities generally can't deny us access to ownership of property in, in neighborhoods or whatever, generally speaking, but, you know. Um, so so we got all that, right? We got all that. But you look at it, where did, where, where did that get us? You know, I mean, are we better off? No, we're not better off. Like I said, if you look at most measures of economic well-being, we're no better off today than we were in the 1960s, right, relative to white folks, relative to white folks, right? Um, so, so, so... We're no better off. You know, we followed the integration path and we're no better off, right? We're, we're still pretty much just as behind white folks as we were in the 1960s, right? Um, and, and so, but, but, right, but getting to my point, it's like we, 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 we could never, you know, I learned something, um, I guess it was in high school, the hypothetical syllogism where you take the thesis, the antithesis, and you kind of like put them together and you kind of like come up with the synthesis, right? So you take these two opposing ideas and you, you bring them together and you create a synthesis, right? And, and you know, that's the, the, the third problem that I think black folk have. We, we can't synthesize our differences, right? We're either Booker T or we're W.B. Du Bois. And if you look at the Negro now, if you look at black folk now, Right. And you look at their, you know, go on Facebook and you read some of the go to some of the pages and the threads. You know, they, they got some pages that are Ungawa Black Power and then they got some pages that are very Thomas Sewell, uh, conservative black folks who, you know, uh, support Donald Trump. And, you know, I mean, there, there's, there are even some black folks now who are saying, hey, I'd love to meet up and hook up with Steve Bannon because he suggests that uh, he would love to sit down. He's quoted as saying that he would he would love to discuss, you know, uh, making America great again by talking with black folks about creating community banks that will uh, fund black businesses. You know, um, so we so we still have these two extremes, right? Um, the black power in Gawa and a, and a very conservative black folk um, who can look down their noses at uh, the people from those neighborhoods that, right? Um, and, and which is, which is where we were, those two opposing viewpoints that, that we were dealing with a hundred years ago, 70 years ago, right? We haven't been able to come to say, okay, you know what? How do we synthesize that and move forward? We're still we're still fighting that battle. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, why can't we kind of like synthesize those two and move forward and come up with something that that works? And 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 that's that's kind of interesting, right? Because we haven't been able to do that. You know, so many other <coughs> um, pardon me, uh groups have differences of opinion. Um and find, but but find ways to 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 move forward, and and black folks haven't been able to do that, and and you know I think that's partly leadership, um, but it gets to 
a fourth problem, and I don't know if this is a fourth problem as much as it is uh, an issue that we have, right? And and that would be that um, that would be that um, you know something else that we could probably talk about, which is basically that black folk can't affirm one another. Um, we can't validate one another, you know. Um, it, it's 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 interesting. We'll we'll talk more about all of these subjects in future future podcasts, right? But today, this is my inaugural podcast coming to you through the Brick, which is uh, I forget what Brick stands for, um, but it's part of the Free Speech Brooklyn Public uh, Access Public TV Access Network. Uh, network, right? So, so it'll be a podcast coming through them, and I'll probably also post these uh, podcasts on the uh, website that I'm developing. It should be up in a minute or two. Um, the Angry Black Man with a Plan dot com. Uh, that that will be up um, probably within the next few weeks, and I'll have these uh, podcasts available there. But um, but but I but I want to start the conversation because the bottom line is it's 2017. And unless Negro black folks do something, we're going to be so marginalized in the world that we really won't make a difference. Right. We really won't make a difference. And, you know, we can we can see that now. We can see that happening now um, when you look at just what's happening in the U.S. Right. And, you know, well. But anyway, hey, you've been listening to, and I am, the angry black man with a plan in search of intelligent Negro life and universe, hopefully providing conscious commentary concerning the conditions of Negroes the world over with the intent that we start a conversation that advances solutions. Until next time, be good. Thank you for listening to The Angry Black Man with a Plan in Search of Intelligent Negro Life in the Universe. Until next time, check us out at www.theangryblackmanwiththeplan.com to learn more about our cause and our issues. Until next week, be good.